0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Online, I got the chance to talk with Tim Naibo from Vincero Watches. What an incredible conversation I had with him. We touched on why it's so important to actually know your numbers and have a dashboard for what's going on with your marketing. And believe me, these guys uh, are doing incredible. They have scaled um, to um, just a huge number. And um, yeah, you guys are going to get a ton out of this. What a pleasure. These are truly unprecedented times, and we don't know what the future is going to look like. What we do know is that there's hope. With every downturn in the market, there are companies who will make it and those who won't. With all of that being said, we will be putting on weekly, if not more than weekly webinars, where we talk about what funding is available during times like these, how to pivot your business, what types of marketing messaging to use in times of crisis, and more. Join us at mindfulmarketing.co slash free dash webinar. Now onto today's show. All right. Uh, Tim Nibo from Vincero Watches. Welcome to Secrets to Scaling.
1: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we, we've been chatting for a few minutes before this. And I thought, man, let's just press record. This is great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you
1: are and what you do? For sure. So, my, yeah, like you just said, my name is Tim Naibo. Uh, I'm a co-founder here at Vincero. We sell men's lifestyle accessories, uh, our first products were watches. That's how we kind of got off the ground. Um, I've been making products in the product space for going on almost 10 years now. When I graduated university, uh, me and my now co-founders decided to make the jump to Asia um, and specifically the Hong Kong and Guangzhou area where we actually lived full time without really leaving that region for about five years, just making products, learning the ins and outs of supply chains, um, reverse culture shock, or culture shock, and then when we came back to the U.S., reverse culture shock, and that whole just story was kind of how we grew up. And then, yeah, with Vincero, like I said, we, you know, five years old, um, predominantly U.S.-based, 99% e-com G2C-based, and uh, I think the split between our customer base right now is about 65%, 35% international. Um, and so that's okay. kind of the basis in, of who we are and what we're doing. Awesome. Awesome. That's
0: great. Um, we're just to give some context to people, we're talking right in the midst, uh, are April 14th right now, um, 2020 yeah. right in the midst of the COVID crisis. Um, how have things shifted for you over the last month or two?
1: I'd say it's all of 2020. we kind of got like the teeter totter effect here where in Q1, we were really affected on the supply chain side of thing. Of course. Because, yeah. uh, China was, de- China was dealing with it. Right. Totally. It, it, can I, we we're, Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I, I was going to step step in for a little bit, uh, or just just for one sec as well. When when all of that happened in China, we were we um, uh, for people who have listened to this for a while, they know my wife and I own a, a clothing company. We get all of our fabric from China, um, and we knew about like like all of this complete shutdown, um, and it was definitely super scary for like you know us getting all of our supplies. I can't imagine. Um, you know, a company like yours, like we're just getting literally one
1: thing from China. Um, for sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: tell, tell me what, the, what, what that looked
1: like for you. Well, I, it, you know, it's interesting. So our longest tenured employees are, are, are in China. That, that's like where we started our team. We yeah. were living there at the time. And so, you know, the concern was both on a people at, uh, front and then a business front. And so they were able to keep us up to date with how it was affecting them and their lives and things like that on the supply side of things. It was very, very helpful having a team on the ground. We were able to act very nimbly, um, especially get especially with news and info, be, be up to date with what's actually happening. When can we expect things to get back going and that because we had eyes and ears on the ground.
0: Totally. But
1: at, at one point, it got probably the worst. We were looking at about 35% of our catalog being out of stock and, and a lot of those being the best sellers. It just coincided with the Chinese New Year, which is obviously – a big time where you're strategically ordering uh, on the supply side of things around. And so that made it, that made it worse. But thankfully when it started, started hitting states, I hear, those were up and running, not at full capacity, but our supply is moving and it's fluid now. And we're where we want to be on the stock side of things. And then that's why I said it was like a teeter-totter hit because your supply side gets affected when the demand's really high. And then now in the is roll and again, obviously demand has been affected. So totally. it, it's oh, definitely man. been interesting, interesting times on both sides, you know, of that teeter-totter. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Have you been through anything like this before?
1: With, no. With Ventero, with, with no, I, I think what's super interesting right now is for most entrepreneurs in our generation, so to speak, for the last 10 years, all anyone has ever known is demand. Totally right. Ever increasing demand. How can we meet the demand that exists? And so that, that is a certain very rosy way to see business and to experience business. And I think this is the first time, uh, the, other, the other side to speak on that is influencers and the whole idea of influencers and that type of marketing was birthed in this last decade. Mm. So I think it'll be super interesting to see how that industry gets affected as well. And that's a lot of the marketing that we do as well. But on the, like, the demand side of things and the business side of things, whenever you would, like, talk to investors or equity firms or anything like that, the banks, there was always this unknown, I think, with the D2C company, right? Things are good and great, but demand is good and great. There's always this, "what if" question if X happened, Yeah. right? And that was, like, almost a knock on the business. Um, on, the, on the management team as well, inexperienced management team, how would they handle a crisis or whatever? Well, this is that time. It's actually happening. And so yeah. I, think, I think we're looking at it as an opportunity because of over, that looming question that has always been over a business and you're thought, thinking about the future of it and the, you know, the long-term value of it. It was this was like a, a road or a boulder in the road, so to speak. And so I think we look at it as a, as a great time to where if you can navigate this and you can be successful, even at, you know, lesser degree than you were in in, um, in good times, then it, it's going to go a long way to showing what kind of business you have, what kind of acumen you have and the future um, outlook of the business. So um, interesting times haven't been through it before, but, you know, look at it as an opportunity to kind of prove yourself and, and really test uh, what the business and the fundamentals are um, that you're dealing with and working with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Tim, can you explain a little bit about the kind of products that you sell? And then I'd like to hear about what your plan is um, thinking about maybe some kind of long-term recession. So, so first of all, what's, what's worked in the past as far as products that, that you're selling and, and what's
1: your pivot, if any. Okay. So in the, in the beginning of Mancero, we're coming from a product background, obviously, as I, as I stated. So our bread and butter and just love was just designing products and making products and figuring out how to make them. So we actually launched Mancero with a high-end automatic uh, it, timepiece that had Italian marble embedded and in, inlaid in the face and throughout the entire metal band. Cool. So that gives insight into, like, where we were starting with the business and then realize if we were wanting to scale that we would have to obviously change price points, um, appeal to the masses, et cetera, um, in a more of a broad sense. And so we did start making more accessible watches. We are at the time still, our focus on growth was uh, product diversification, so we were making bags and belts and things like that. Again, learning how to scale, we really siloed down into focusing on watches and accessories, and that's what we've been doing um, ever since then. And so what works, obviously, I think anything in the D2C space, if, if you can do it correctly, you basically on the marketing side have like a lever that you can control your bottom line with. So, you know, ob- obviously we, we always rely on our customer list and our assets, our owned assets, to, to drive sales during times like these. But that doesn't mean we're not spending on the marketing side. We are still aggressively spending on the marketing side. Our just metrics that we have to hit are a little bit different because, obviously, with with demand being affected a little bit, our uh, the fixed cost percent of our business is, is a little bit higher. And so, you know, we can tweak those with with our outbound marketing, and, that, and that's, that's the things that we can do. And it's the same thing as this restriction or uh, recession, recession actually lands and that goes throughout the rest of the year. Those are the numbers that we'll be on top of and we'll run, run the business accordingly. I, I think it's the same thing with scale. We were able to scale and, and, and fund the company profitably because of the business model and because of the resources that are available now within the outbound marketing realm to scale. And it's the same thing, I think, with um, dealing with a recession, right? We don't have a ton of capital expenses. And so there's ways that, especially if you're ahead of yourself and you've forecasted for tons of different scenarios, that when whatever scenario does come into play, you, should, you can be prepared and ready for it.
0: Mm, totally,
1: totally. Um,
0: let's talk about what, what is working right now specifically for you guys.
1: Yeah I think our bread and butter, like everyone else, right, is Instagram, Facebook marketing, um, our warm leads, our warm- owned assets are everything in terms of driving profitability for us. But again, we're still spending a lot on Facebook, still spending a lot on YouTube. The thing where we have pulled back um, on the marketing side of things is, is on what we call growth marketing. So a lot of influencer placements, um, some podcast placements some like YouTube channel sponsorships and things like that. Cause a lot of those are just more intensive capital expenses. Totally. So we, we pulled a lot more back into just our programmatic spend channels. Cause like I said, we can control those and the flow of those. Yeah. Um, and so I'd say that's where our focus is right now, but we're still playing in all those arenas.
0: Okay. Gotcha. I imagine what's going on and we actually don't do um, with the clothing company, with our marketing company, we actually don't do a lot of influencer marketing. Um, mm-hmm. But I can imagine right now that a lot of stuff is on sale. Is is that right? Are are you seeing that? Is are people starting to um, some of the influencer pricing starting to come down a bit?
1: Yeah. So we basically have pulled out all of our previously agreed upon rates because it, you know they're not fair anymore. The mm-hmm. the the reach and influence uh, matched with demand that that influencer was generating back when those prices were agreed upon. Those conditions have changed. And so, you know, we we've we've put ourselves in front of a lot of our channels and influencers, going, hey, we want to we want to work with you um, on situations that are beneficial beneficial to both parties. And so, we like to work and really push the idea right now of like profit sharing, uh, mm-hmm. and affiliate exactly. commissions, and things like that. And, yeah. and if anyone like a lot of them will end up having people pull out, and so will have open spots which will leave them really in a tough space and we like to fill those. But obviously then if if we're coming in to, you know, fill a last minute piece or last minute slot, we like to get obviously beneficial terms on that, that we couldn't otherwise get if we're just strictly negotiating ahead of time. So um, it's definitely presented opportunities on that front for sure.
0: Tim, can we dive a little bit more into, into how you guys um, work with influencers?
1: For sure. I, I think it's, it's different depending on the influence of the channel, right? I think our bread and butter for sure and how we got into this space was men's style, health freelancers, etc. cetera, just because they do have so much influence on the people that are tuning into that are looking for recommendations on the type of goods we sell. Yeah. So it was, it was just problem and solution, bang, bang. And uh, it, it was a big, big driver of our business when we started going So YouTube and Instagram influencers the like, and we still run those to this day. Podcasts are a little newer for us. And obviously a lot of those are are just direct buys with different influencers, different channel or different podcasts and different spaces. Obviously, I think for anyone that's going into the space, attribution is and figuring out how attribution in that space is going to work for you in the marketing mix is the really murky area. But if you can figure that out, you know, I, I think re- thinking about your product and the market that it's in and being able to find podcasts, um, podcasts that have that and cultivate that audience that really align with what you're selling is extremely powerful. And it has been for us. Yeah, And uh, sure. yeah, that was, that's, that's basically the extent of what we do there. Um,
0: Tim, let's talk about attribution on things like influencers and podcasts. Um can you give me a couple examples cuz this isn't something we've really talked much with our audience about before. Um you, you know sure. attribution is pretty standard on you know Google, Facebook, Pinterest um uh, besides some of the murkiness that comes when you know both are are taking credit for um uh for conversions. But on on the exactly. side of Im- on the side of influencers what do you do? Do you give them like a UTM code or or like like how, how exactly are you
1: tracking that? Well, it, depend, it depends on, on the influencer, obviously, and um, in the platform specifically, right? I, I think things on YouTube, which is heavily desktop-based, links are extremely important. Links going to specific landing pages that allow us to track there and discount codes on top of that, followed up by post-purchase surveys, give us lots of different touch points and data points to kind of build, build a profile of how successful the campaign was um well, some are, it's some are obviously more, more difficult like podcasts oh for sure for sure yeah. and and you really have to come up with an equation um of because obviously you're not capturing everything right a lot of people are jumping out of where they saw you in and say going to a different browser or they're seeing you on mobile and then they're hopping into say safari on their uh desktop That's and whatnot okay. and so it's about yeah it's it's really an art uh yeah. So, especially once you're laying on marketing channels. It's easy in the beginning, it's easy in the early days.
0: Yeah, totally, when you just have like this, you know, Kylie Jenner 10 <laughs> coupon code or something, right? Like,
1: <laughs> well, you, I think it's easy if you're, if you're like, say you spend, a, you spend a ton of, you could spend a ton of money on Facebook, right? Say you are spending 500,000 a month or a million a month on Facebook yeah, and that's okay. all you're doing. Well, then you're, you're, your inputs are relatively controlled. So if you do do an influencer campaign and your daily sales spike by 20K, you roughly know the attribution
0: totally, and Unless the, the, than the TBMs up, and the
1: uplift it has. Yeah. Right. And so, but if you have seven programmatic channels all running at the same time and those fluctuate on a day-to-day basis, then you start inputting direct mail pieces and catalogs and you start inputting influencers, then it becomes a lot, lot different.
0: Oh, that, that to me sounds like a full-time job. Just, just that attribution. It is right? To to figure that out. We, we recently, it's um,
1: absolutely
0: crucial. Oh, totally. Yeah. We've, we've worked with, with uh, quite a few brands who have actually had that in-house person, um, that we liaison with, um, to figure out exactly where those, where that attribution should actually be. Um, so that Mm -hmm. we can, so that we can know what, what to do, right. And what, which levers to pull. And so, you know, for the people who are listening to this podcast, you know, kind of six and seven figure, um, e-com companies, um, I don't think that a lot of you are at that stage yet where you have to worry about th- that minutia yet. Um, unless you're spending, you know, a hundred thousand dollars plus a month. Um, For sure. that's, that's my opinion. But once, once you start scaling, Oh man, it's, it's so important. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome so let's let's talk about what's what's the plan from here like with with covid like where where do you go like what what are some of the thoughts that that you and your team are having um, is it on the product side is it on the marketing side where like where are you planning to go
1: so like we're full steam ahead right I think our growth projections we we've reset them we still have growth projections uh, based on the year but those have been reset but Other than that, it's business as usual, right? We're always like to have the accelerator on the gas within all of the aspects of our business. So we're still working hard on new brand campaigns. We're still working hard on on, on the product development that we have going on behind the scenes. And you have to, right? Those are the things that drive long-term growth for the business. Um, Even if, you know, daily runs and stuff like that can be affected because of situations like this, it's still the investment in the business and the fundamentals that will propel you in the long run. And so we're we're still full steam ahead there, I think, our marketing team is still, right? How they were looking at opportunities and the numbers and metrics they were trying to hit might change, but they're still looking for those opportunities and we're still pushing, a, pushing ahead, like I said, in all those different marketing channels. And so that's our mindset. Um, business as usual with just a few, actually a handful of different considerations, but it's still opportunities that we see in front of us and, and that's the mindset that, that we have.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. That's great. Um, are you guys thinking about any acquisitions right now?
1: You know, not not as of right now, but we'll see we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the market. Totally. Um, I think there could be a lot of interesting fallout that comes from this, but I think it's too early to tell for that right now.
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll let you know that that's a big thing that's on my my mind right now is is uh, for sure. figuring out some of those companies that that uh, you know I've been interested in over the years um, that may not know how to weather a storm like this. Um, and, I think there's going to be uh, a lot of
1: those.
0: Yeah, I, I really do. And, but I still think that those companies have a lot of, a lot of value, um, in them and, and hopefully there can be some, some good, um, kind of maybe mergers or acquisitions in, in that space. Um, Definitely something that we're keeping an eye on and, and looking
1: into.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm going to ask you the classic question I ask every podcast here. What is your secret to scaling, Tim?
1: Secret to scaling knowing your numbers. So I've been on kind of both sides of this in the beginning, obviously I would assume most people listening can relate. You have your hands on like every lever in the business, especially on the marketing side. And so if you know your numbers by heart, when something is off, say things are down and things aren't working, it's like a puzzle piece that you can figure out. And if you can figure that out, you can get back to scaling it's the same thing with very similar thing that we talked with in regards to attribution. If you don't know attribution to the soul of what's driving what in your business, then it is hard to strategize or at least strategize correctly. And so you have to know what is driving, what, what is sucking, what amount of value from you, what is pushing and generating what amount of value. Cause if you can do that, then you can align your spin and your objectives with that and that leads to scale, efficient scale, and that leads to profit on the bottom line. If you don't, then it's like just existing. Sometimes things are good, sometimes things are bad. You don't necessarily know why, and so you're kind of ebbing and flowing, and it's stressful, and if you do have a boss, they're probably like, hey, what's going on? We need to scale more, and you don't have the answers. And so it's living and breathing within the numbers, within the attribution, and the, the fundamentals of your business, those are the keys to scaling man awesome
0: awesome i think that's going to be the title of this one know your numbers
1: <laughs> well it's so true i mean it, it's exciting for me i almost miss you know that aspect of being able to you know be on the front lines. but it's so cool because when you find the stuff that is working and it's not easy it's not easy you're not just like oh i looked at my numbers on wednesday now i'm going to try and figure it out it's a daily pulse Literally, if you were in the weeds on a daily pulse to where when something happens, you almost have a feeling of what it could be. That's what I mean by that's when you can actually get to a point where the strategy you're coming out with are going to be way ahead of your competition because you're so much closer to what is actually happening in the pulse of the business that it's a, a, a entirely hard to um, replicate to copy, et cetera. And it takes a lot of work. It takes living and breathing on the front lines and, and that's, that's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah, yeah, it's super fun.
0: To to for me, just to jump off on that point for a sec, um, I highly recommend to every business out there to build a dashboard um, with all of those main, you know, marketing KPIs um, with your supply, um, all of that, so that daily you can actually see that. Um, we had uh, quite quite a while ago now. We had Mike McCallowitz on, um, uh, author of Profit First. Um, and uh, in his book, Clockwork, he talks about um, being able to build out that dashboard um, for your company so that you really do have a pulse on exactly what's going on. And so whatever that dashboard looks like for you or whatever you need to do in that, whether you build it out in, in Google Analytics or some third-party um, software, um, highly, highly recommend that um, for you guys out there so that you you know your numbers, right? Um, for I, sure. We call
1: it a scorecard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, whatever kind of framework you, you want to use for it, um, you got to know where where things are and, and
1: where you're headed, right? They, oh, exactly, exactly. I, I think I will say, especially for people on the front lines, scorecards are essential for management and running the company, right? If they're not pulling the levers within the platforms and stuff like that to have, and that is like their bread and butter. But for anyone on the front lines, it, it, you've got to be careful with – automating your numbers versus Mm -hmm. living in them because it is hard to get a feel for everything and going, if your boss or manager asks, why did this happen? You should be able to fluently and eloquently talk about why it happened. Even if you hadn't even looked at the numbers or why it could have happened. That can be hard. If everything is automated, a lot of people will go, okay, let me go find out. That is very different than being fluent in your numbers.
0: Totally. Only automate after, um, like, like after you've actually figured out, like, we, oh, sorry, <laughs> we, great, great podcast hosting here. Um, we have this, uh, <laughs> we have, we have this phrase that we use in, um, uh, in, in all of our businesses that we're, that we're a part of, um, that automate, um, everything that's not customer facing, right. Um, mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. can, and that you understand um, but everything, um, relationship wise needs to be a person. It just, it needs, you need that human touch in there until we have robots that can do all of this thinking for us, um, and somehow report to us. Um, that's one of the biggest things that's your $10,000 an hour, um, task that you have. And, and the real job that you have as a business owner is making those huge decisions and knowing which levers to pull.
1: hundred percent. I I think for me when I think about automation it it is 100% necessary but you can't automate especially with a team and this is what I really try to push with our team automate things so you're more efficient but you can never automate comprehension and Mm -hmm. I need you to fully comprehend everything better than someone else at in your role at other companies so your job is to comprehend at an exceedingly high level and to do that it will take a, a high level of automation but they can't live, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, sure, I've automated everything. Look at this. I can go find things. That's not the role. I need your comprehension at an extremely high level because that's where we extract strategy from.
0: Totally, totally. Tim, you are a smart guy. I have really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, um, well,
1: hey, enjoyed being on for sure.
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's go to our lightning round here. I want. I am wondering, uh, favorite podcast or book right now?
1: Favorite podcast or book? It, like, can it be the book like I'm reading now or like favorite like all time? Oh, oh I, I would say
0: with COVID times, let's, let's go with something right now that, uh, that people can read or listen
1: to. Um, okay, let's do Traction. And it's top of mind because we're bringing a new guy on, and I'm having him read it. But it's it's kind of how we run our business based on that framework. Yeah. Um, and this is a business podcast, so I would uh, if you hadn't read the Traction Traction book.
0: Yeah. And which which Traction are you talking about? Are you talking about the the business system Traction or the marketing book yep.
1: Traction? The business system.
0: Okay. Okay. Awesome. Highly recommend. I actually haven't read the other Traction, but I always get them
1: mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just have everyone that I bring it on, read it. That's how we run the company. That's the organization we build upon. And it was definitely a, a you know, a light for us in terms of as we were scaling the business in terms of people to uh, bring just clarity within the organization. So highly recommend. Yeah, totally.
0: Also one thing I recommend during while reading that book is just read little chunks at a time because <laughs> it's very
1: dry, but is just. Oh, hundred cool. percent. Like. And take so much. I it took so many notes. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Awesome. That's great. Um, Do you have a founder that you look up to?
1: A founder that I look up to in terms of like the D to C space?
0: Yeah. Yeah. In that, in that sort of space.
1: Honestly, I have a company that I look up to and there's a handful of founders, but uh, I think Thursday boots does great stuff. Uh, I think they're just a solid company. I think they do the right, and they're running a business the right way. And uh, we're very close with them. Uh, We work closely together. And uh, if you don't know them, definitely check them out. Uh, Highly recommend them as a company. Uh, Thursday Boots? Yeah, Thursday
0: Boots. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look them up. That's awesome. And uh, is there a, a certain app or tool that you're loving right now?
1: uh personally because of this whole downtime i've been getting a lot more into like health tracking stuff like that so sleep cycles what i'm using to like get into like sleep tracking for like probably the fourth time over the last decade but i'm actually into it because i got time now um but yeah yeah that's the first time that comes off i'm also doing a lot of peloton at home oh okay nice (laughs) tie tie into that health thing so getting into yoga for really the first time ever um without home classes
0: yeah awesome Awesome. That's great.
1: Tim, where can people find out more about you? Honestly, venturewatches.com, you know, it's got our story on there, all that jazz. Um, Yeah. And our social handles, um, best place to learn about what we're doing and everything we got going on. And if people could right now in times, we are doing a $5,000 chaser legacy challenge. So we're looking for someone to sponsor who is going after their dreams. And we've got 10 finalists up there. So if you could go check out the stories and vote, that would be a huge help for us. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Tim. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It was, it
1: was, uh, it was a blast.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. These are really unprecedented times and we don't know what the future is going to look like. What we do know is that there's hope. With every downturn in the market, there's companies who are going to make it and those who won't. With all that being said, we'll be putting on weekly, if not more than weekly webinars where we talk about what funding is available during times like these, how to pivot your business, what types of marketing messaging to use in times of crisis, and more. Join us at mindfulmarketing.co slash free dash webinar. Thanks so much.